inhale that breath. There would be no death rattle, which amused the professional in him. He knew that some other mortician would hear it when preparing his body. Of course, it would not be a mortician right away. First, it would be a coroner. He had, after all, been murdered. If you could call it murder. Hartnip watched the liquid darkness fill up the room. Was it murder? The man, his killer, could never be charged with murder. Could he? If so, how? It was a puzzle. Hartnip wanted to cry out for warmth, but of course he could not do that. Not with what was left of his throat. It was a shame. He was sure that he could manage at least one really good scream. That's what usually woke him up in the night. It's what finally drove his wife into leaving him. She could take the fact that he worked with the dead all day, and she was sympathetic to the fact that his work gave him nightmares. But after eight years, she couldn't take the interruptions to her sleep two or three times a week. First, it was earplugs, then separate rooms, and finally, separate lives. He wondered what she would think about this. Not just his death, but his murder. He heard a noise and wanted to turn his head. Could not. The muscles of his neck were torn, teeth and nails. He couldn't feel the wounds anymore. Even the coldness was fading. His body was a remote island, separated from his mind by a million miles. The noise again, a clatter of metal, then the sing-song of tools dropping to the tiled floor, retractors and needles and other items, things that he wouldn't need any longer, things that would be used on him in a few days. He wondered who would prepare his body for the box, Probably that schmuck Lester Savoy over in Bordentown. Another crash, then a sound, like footsteps, but wrong somehow. Awkward, disjointed, like a drunk trying to stagger slowly across a barroom floor. Lee Hartnip knew that it wasn't a drunk, though. He didn't have a name for what it was. Well, that was not exactly true. It was a hollow man. The room was darker now. Shadows were closing around him like a body bag being zipped up with him inside. A simile. Dad would have liked that one. Hartnip felt his body shivering. He felt the vibration of it, but not the actual sensation. It was hard to understand. He knew that his flesh was trembling because his vision was shaking, but he felt no puckering of goosebumps on his flesh, no actual intensification of cold as his skin tried to retreat from it. And yet, the vibration was there, the shaking. He wondered at it. It was so violent that for a moment he thought that his body was going into convulsions. But that would have affected his eyesight, and he could still see as normally as the darkness allowed. His head lolled on his ruined throat, and he marveled that there was enough structural integrity left in his neck muscles to move his head so violently. Then, all at once, Lee Hartnip realized what was happening. 
It wasn't a wave of cold shivers. The cold, in fact, was nearly gone. It seemed to flee as the darkness grew. It wasn't convulsions either. The movement was not caused by any muscular action or nervous flutter anywhere in his body. This was purely external. He was being shaken. No, worried was the word. The way a terrier worries a rat. That's what was happening. And yet, not. This wasn't a hunting dog trying to break the neck of a rodent. No, this was something else. Even down there in the darkness, Hartnip realized how wrong it all was. He could not feel the teeth that clamped onto him. He was beyond the sensation of pressure or pain. All that was left to him was the savage movement of his body and the uncontrollable.